Welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with John and Rob. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hello. And this week, it's my turn, and I picked a story, Woodland by Lydia Millet, and I'm going to read a section here in the middle. There was a stable of captive-bred animals here, raccoons, skunks, possums, even beavers. I helped to feed, water, and care for them. Fur bearers do live wild on the grounds, but they could be elusive. We had to stage manage since clients were promised they'd see forest creatures. We couldn't leave it up to chance. Some of the animals shared their dens with cockroaches. They didn't seem to mind. It was the beavers I wished Mo could have met. There'd been a family of them in a favorite picture book I'd read to him when he was six. In it, beavers and rabbits wore clothing and had the power of speech. They went on picnics and played games and said things human children might say. I understood they were children, only with different faces and bodies, but Mo assumed that long ago the animals had spoken. Not chickens or goats, but wild ones. He was hopeful their descendants would be willing to talk also. The only wild animals at the camp were pack rats, coyotes, and vultures. A few times he hovered near the hen house at dusk, waiting for coyotes to approach, planning a conversation. Real wild creatures don't talk, I had to tell him finally. For a while after that, he was annoyed by the picture book. It's all made up, he said bitterly, but soon his bitterness had softened and he asked for the story again. Mo was a cheerful little boy. He never stayed angry. So I'm currently working on a story of my own that I realized like a lot later. I could really lean into this new genre of climate change fiction. Ecological fiction? Yeah. Well, climate change fiction, they're calling cli-fi, which is cooler. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a lot of places that specifically ask for that kind of storytelling. Yeah, I've kind of noticed this. And this this reminds me of what we talked about in the other um, episode about Cat Person, where it's kind of like, if this is something on people's minds you could probably like really lean in and write something that they don't realize it but really resonates with them because it's on their mind somehow regardless of I guess your takeaway on it but Clify I think is also kind of a way for someone like me who when I read good science fiction I enjoy it but I don't necessarily always seek it out it's kind of an easy backdoor way to get me to enjoy that because it really is science fiction you're imagining in a lot of cases a futuristic world that has not yet come to pass a lot of times in, in this case, I, I got the sense kind of on my second read that it it, it is like post-apocalyptic somehow, right? Like something has happened to set humans almost at zero. This wasn't gradual. She talks about like having cell phones that will eventually not work anymore and there won't be a way to fix them, but they have them. So it's like, this was like a no on the arc scenario. It feels like there were survivors. So Cli-Fi is, like I said, I it's, it's a way for me to get into science fiction. And I've been thinking of my own story for this. So I, I was Googling around for other stories like it and yeah it sounds like you guys have probably seen like magazines actually asking for it and boy if it isn't on my mind I realize like three or four of my recent story ideas could probably be really heavily molded into something like this so I wanted to read something that did it well and sorry Lydia I didn't think it was like the best story ever but I thought there were so many things that it did so well and that's why I I, I just kind of went with it it wasn't like it packed some wallop for me or I love the writing necessarily necessarily but she built this world so quickly which is thoroughly and thoroughly and that was part of why what i didn't like about it was i did feel like a lot of it was sort of telling but in short fiction when you do have to build a world this quickly i mean some of that's probably necessary but then she manages to add you know this very human thread throughout which is 
what the main character feels about her brother, who we find out later is, has died and he had some kind of illness and he was her favorite person and she ends up kind of being alone in this world and thinking about what he would have done to make everything feel like it was worth living. But I think at its heart, it really is cli-fi, right? This is... Yeah, this is all... I think people take a back seat to natural description here for sure. Yeah, so... And if it wasn't clear from the description or the, the bit that I read, it, it's about in this time, rich people who are longing for the natural world as, as they remember it, they'll pay to have these like safari excursions basically it could be the midwest or it could be like out west wherever in the united states yeah it it sounds like you could literally have this like high-end tourist trap one day in ohio if everything burns to shit because there will be a section of ohio that's still really pretty and these people pay to go see raccoons and and cockroaches which (laughs) apparently we know the cockroaches are there but like they're paying to see the trash pandas and and right now we take them for granted so you get the sense that oh my gosh this could this could really happen that's the best when you read good sci-fi that's like my barometer i'm like oh my god i could see that happening mm-hmm. holy crap no yeah you mentioned the technology that's still extant in this in mm-hmm. this world and there's right near the beginning there's this line meanwhile home was the screen it's like even yes. in this this disaster world they're just tied to their screens yeah. or tied to their phones and their right. computers or their iPads or whatever. It's like, this is what got you here and you still can't stop using it because it's the only thing that connects you to anything. So yeah, she builds a world extremely thoroughly. This is a pretty short piece and it's like kind of sparse and it's... There, there's not a whole lot that happens in scene. I guess this is kind of why I didn't like thoroughly enjoy it. And she doesn't even really give you this like flat out description of woodland, you know, as a destination. You just kind of like realize what what she's talking about but you do fill in the blanks as you're reading and like I said a story like this is usually on the top of mind for people at the time that it's being read so you do fill in the blanks you've imagined some version of this and then it all comes to life so quickly it reminds me of um, probably the only like novel length thing that I've read about the apocalypse is the road by Cormac McCarthy and then the movie it's just so sad and it feel this is it feels lonely like this piece feels lonely. I think that's also, I would wager you'll see that a lot in Cli-Fi. That kind of tone. Yeah, absolutely, because it's called a climate disaster, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's disaster fiction, right? Right, and humans were at fault. I mean, the main, the thing I wrote at the top of the, after I read this was place and character, because it establishes place, and that place kind of defines her character. Right, yeah. She becomes a reflection of the place, kind of that um, kind of lingering. She actually describes some of the, the stuff that's there as ghosts. Yes. Ghosts of trees and, and go- her parents become ghosts and so she's kind of just a ghost that's floating in this landscape yeah even at the end they were in um they abandoned woodland they don't opt to live together these leftover people they they all go their separate ways and meet up once a month to like trade goods there's this weird loneliness there too where they they don't really even understand the point anymore of associating with other humans there's no pleasure in it anymore yeah it runs alone there's even a line i realized place was all there was yeah yeah i didn't get that the first time i thought I was, I was really confused by that line. It just like felt flat. And then I read it a, a couple more times. I was like, oh, wow, 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 wow. It's actually really powerful. It's a thesis statement in here. Yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. no there's no future. There's no hopes or dreams or people you love or care about. It's just, where are you in the world physically? I think, And you get the sense too, when you talk about her character, that in, in any other time and place, in any other world, she would 
be a completely different character. She she loves her brother. She's smart. You can tell she's ambitious. Even in what seems like the end times or a really bleak time, she's seeking out this opportunity for herself that she's excited about. Like she's managed to be hopeful about something and sort of yeah. resilient that way. This it makes me think. Um, this is gonna as a downer, but you know I have three year olds at uh, twin three year olds at home and they're carefree, they're happy. But then yeah. I you hear about the three year olds in Syria who walk across the desert to escape war. Right. And it's like the difference between them is not much except for their environment. Right. right. They're just a human being. In my house, they get to, you know, watch Daniel Tiger. And in Syria, they have to flee bombs and bullets. Right. It's the difference between your children ending up like this main character or like a happy go lucky human adult. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I, that place is, uh, what was the line again? Place is what? Place was all there was. Yeah. Yeah. You can really, that's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, the story is just so consumed with the setting. It's like, I, I couldn't, I don't even like imagine characters almost. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, one of my takeaways was, like I said, I didn't read this and think, wow, I love this story so much. I mean, I do. I really like it, but it wasn't, I didn't pick it because I felt something about the writing itself necessarily. But then I kind of realized afterwards that at least what she's doing here, and I haven't read her other stuff yet. It sounds like she, she does write about this a lot. She works as a writer and an editor at the Center for Biological Diversity. So mm. I don't know that she's a scientist or whatever, but is obviously around this kind of stuff and has more of a grasp on it than the average person. But the organization is dedicated to yes. fighting climate change and yes. species extinction. Yes. Yeah. So she's immersed in this and then obviously lending her creative talents to it. But I realized by the end that whether or not it's her tone throughout all of her works, this kind of separate distance that you feel from the character, like it feels cold and barren, but it's reflective of the of the setting. And so even though I didn't warm to the writing, I don't think we were supposed to. I think we were supposed to like regard this at a distance. Like I said, in Cormac McCarthy's The Road, that's how you feel. Like they come across other people, but there's something to be feared and you move on really quickly. It's like you don't even want to get too close. And I feel like we don't, we aren't really allowed to get too close to anyone else in the story but the brother who, who's dead because yeah. she's she's so alone. I like the way that that was revealed. There's, yeah. um, where is this? There's a, uh, it's like when it says that he, he was, he'll always be a boy. Before that, earlier on, he would, he's, she's talking to him as, um, I didn't want to have to say, don't cry, you right. tender hearted boy. Terrible, but lovely. And then it jumps to, there's a break and it says, Woodland is a remote stretch of country, 20 yeah. miles. And then we're there. We're in the future. Right. And he's died in between those two moments right. in the story. But we don't find out about that for, there's another page or so. It says, and Mo wasn't with me to protect. My posting had come too late for him. Yeah. But she doesn't explain what happened there. No. So it's kind of an interesting way of revealing that he's that he has died. Right. And I usually I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm like, if she knows he's dead, we should know he's dead because then everything will kind of make sense in context. But you did pretty quickly get the sense that even if you didn't guess that he was dead, you knew that he wasn't here. Like she, she was talking about him in this kind of like nostalgic way. Mm, yeah, yeah. As of everything else, right? And it's like everything yeah. that's been lost and right. including him. And by the end, I just, I love the ending too. So the section that I read talks about how he always hoped that he could talk to animals and that kind of got crushed. Mm-hmm. And But it seems like something people in a couple hundred years who've never seen animals could realistically think. Yeah, it was just terrible. And then at the end, she's like, I'm just going to read it. I don't care if it's a, you know what, read it yourselves. But she says at the end, maybe with all this time on your hands, you would have learned their language. I say to my little brother, maybe they would have spoken to you after all. It's just, I don't know what the literary critics would say, but if you really like interpret it, it's almost as if maybe he could have fixed something, right? Maybe just by being around, he, he could have fixed everything, at least in her world, right? He kind of embodied 
embodies her hope and yeah. he's died and she doesn't have hope anymore but she has to return to his memory to just find the the, the lingering glimmers of hope that right. you know propel her forward even when there's a limping and very thin black bear that appears mm. and she's like is that my brother no it can't be she's she's always has him in the back of her mind at the very beginning i underline this is like the first example of her building this world for us but in like the third paragraph there says the marshy springs of the camp were mostly flats of cracked mud so you're getting a sense of the scenery and then it says so the largest body of water i had ever seen was our rainwater tank and i knew this was clarified but by then you realize that she's not saying i don't live near the ocean you're real you're getting put in that like this Mm -hmm. the world is a desert yeah and then where we lived everything was brown she still hasn't like fully laid out like the rules of this world but if you're paying attention you're picking up on this and i wanted nothing more than to go where trees lived and water flowed which nowadays seems so simple i mean we can even still go to these engineered parks right if we want to get that that's like why parks exist and then when she starts actually building the rules of the world specifically for us she talks about we could use the camp shared console from time to time but children were low on the list so we had little to do after our tasks were completed completed but dig for trade and so you you realize that they they live in these camps and then she refers to other places as citadels so these like separate fortified groups where people don't want to interact like don't come in and and we won't bother you and then at her camp they're digging through the landfill past all these bizarre artifacts one of which is like a coffee bean grinder which i hope the future has coffee it's so sad yeah Yeah. she calls it a power energy energy. they ground beans for an energy drink yes That's exactly. I hesitated on that. I was like, what? Yeah. Well, like words like that are just great because so she's taken it a step further than this character having been around in the before and the after, right? This is a character that was like born in the after and and can't even fathom what the coffee was. And you have to take that leap as like the writer to be in that person's head, right? You have to know that they wouldn't know what coffee was. So those are like the acrobatics you're doing when you're creating this world. But it's cool to see them play out like that. Yeah, it's always cool to read something described in a way that's alien. I don't know the book. Jenny told me this and it's lingered with me for 20 something years now. But she told me about this book she read where in an alien creature was watching someone eat an orange and the way it was described, I didn't read the book, she was just describing it, but the way it was described was where you're ripping open that thing and then eating it and spitting out its children. Right? Oh. <laughs> oh God. Because the seeds, you know, we yeah. spit out the seeds and we eat an orange. Yeah, terrific. But for the orange. Those are, those are that's the next generation generation of oranges oh god just that alien perspective on things is always very uh, compelling you know right. it makes you think about things in a new way it's all it takes to make something look gross or yeah or right. horrible or funny yeah it's, it's a good trick too for this kind of sci-fi futuristic stuff you don't want to see it too often sometimes it gets i've read entire stories i feel like where it's like an alien cr- crash lands and this oh, is how yeah. i'm interpreting it and it gets old <laughs> yeah 20 years how long have you been married john uh married 13 years but you've 13 known, but you've like known Jenny for like 20 years. I've known Jenny for a very long time, yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. You seem so young. So, did you guys like this story? Well, I mean, it was depressing, but yeah, <laughs> it was well done. Yeah, I like the world building. I wish there was more characterization, but I think that's kind of like maybe part of the point or part of, if not the point, and part of maybe like an inherent problem for a genre like this where yeah. people aren't the problem, but it's kind of an interesting challenge. How do you put nature as the main character and then have people react to it and 
I think the writings, I, I like the writing and I like, yeah, I'm interested in post-apocalyptic stuff too. I, w- I would have just wanted more, um, I don't know if it's more of anything. I just thought the characters were a little flat and yeah. I, I don't think they have to be for the message to get across. Yeah, this this felt like, um, I don't know, something that was probably easy for her to write, if that's yeah. a nice way of saying it. Not like half-baked, but like she could easily envision this future. She could easily lay out this world. She wove in the thread with the brother, but it could have been yeah, just an not, outline for a novel or yeah, something. Yeah, there's just not a, a real story in there. No, it's kind of a skeleton. Yeah, but it, but it's a world. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That, that's why it's hard to. I know what you mean. There's not a whole lot happening. It's like a whole lot has happened, mm-hmm. which is kind of tough because there is drama in a world like that, and I think that's a challenge for a, a storyteller. Is just like, how did this happen? How do I make that part of what happened? Or if these characters are just victims of it, how you know? How do you make it dramatic? If it's inherently depressing, because because when you think about it, drama itself isn't really depressing it's more it's it's not a depressive it's a stimulant a drama something that mm. goes up oh it's exciting yeah. yeah it's exciting like you're building towards something someone wants something they're approaching it that's like every story ever right so when you see something i think that's like that's why you don't see sad movies playing at hollywood 20 because they're sad <laughs> you know they're the the arc is like it's kind of one that's i don't know if it's trending down necessarily but it's just i don't think sadness generally jives with drama that well i i like some sad movies but i th- like or sad stories but i think there's just like a motor problem there i think there's like uh-huh. a, f- a fuel issue <laughs> you know one note I, I made here was i wrote chronological versus emotional for the structure slash order of it because i you know it's, yeah. it's non-chronological yeah. in some respect i hinted at that when i was talking about mo and how jumped forward in time and then we go back to see mo and scene and stuff and i didn't really map it out but kind of a, my first impression thinking about it now is we set up in the beginning her kind of desire to go be a custodian of this place woodland then she gets to be there then that place falls apart and then she's left as like a ghost of that place kind of lingering there and maybe maybe it's not a um in the workshop i I always define drama as the interaction of human intentions it's not a drama in that sense because it's not her intentions going against someone else's intentions Mm. it's her intentions to find a better life going against just this world yeah the circumstance and um her emotional kind of hopefulness in the beginning even though it's not a lot of hope there because she does wear that hat to keep her skin nice so yeah. that she could be chosen for yeah. this yeah. role and then it uh, just slips away kind of with Mo mm-hmm. so maybe the structure is more um, less a drama of less a drama of people fighting for something fighting against yeah. each other to achieve something and more a drama of will she make it <laughs> yeah <laughs> emotionally is, yeah emotionally which I think becomes problematic here is because we don't really know her and so for me to yeah. want to know yeah. like yeah. do I care if she makes it no I think you nailed it because like you said, it, maybe this is a trap of this kind of writing is that it's going to be sad unless the plot is the same as it would be in all of these others, which well, is, will they survive? Are they going to rebuild? And do I care? Yeah. Well, let's look at what you said earlier, The Road. I haven't read it or seen the movie, but I know enough about it to where I've, I think I've read like the first two chapters and I cared because why? Because the dad wants his son to live because that's like, you're, yes. you're an animal and that's what you want. Yeah. So there's, that's what I was going to say with this. Um, I think it's kind of thin, but the thread in this is about the brother and then the bits that I read are what would he think and that seems to be the payoff of this story that Mm -hmm. seems to be as much of an arc as we're going to get like the story's kind of thin but I think you're going to have to start introducing stuff like that with this kind of genre you're going to have to introduce what all sci-fi has which is like a human arc We, we saw it in the story that John had us read about the computer how can you have an arc in a world that's never ending and it's all about torture well 
then the arc becomes less about the suicide or well the murder suicide or attempted murder suicide and it becomes more about yeah will he make it emotionally and like what's the emotional arc and in the road yeah it's it's about him wanting his son to survive but also his own death is imminent and that's yeah, sure. so hard to overcome plot wise like Rob would not go to that movie theater Hollywood 20 and, and see that because he know you oh, know road? well but like uh, okay so you're saying you like the beginning of the book um, but there's I also- will read it I love the author and right. I love the idea of the story but it is I, sad I, you well, nailed it there well there, there's also something about I think sadness in general where it's like people tell you don't wallow in your sadness well yes. there's something to that sadness is wallowing it's like still water it doesn't move no you don't like yeah and I think something so like there's stages of grief <laughs> I think something like the road I don't find sad I find like that seems more like a horror movie to me or a horror story oh it's so sad no of course there's sadness there but I, I think to compare Cormac McCarthy to anybody never mind this person is a dessert that, that guy kind of on a, yeah. on a different level. I'm not just saying that because commercially. I just think I'm not alone in saying he has an ability like few do. But I think he's able to to compare what he did to this. I think he was able in the little that I did read. He's kind of a classical storyteller and she's trying to get too cute for her own good if I can speak plainly. I think he's almost like a Melville where you just like you start from here. He's so yeah. based, but his writing is, is spectacular. But she's like we're here and then we're there. Like it was confusing for me and it didn't have to be. Like you're not Christopher Nolan you can just introduce your if this is a complicated world introduce it in an uncomplicated way yeah I do feel like that's how you make sci-fi manageable for sure yeah sci-fi is great but I mean I, I would not say this is like necessarily successful sci-fi and be- because it has a great world building but it's the, the kind of the who cares aspect I mean great sci-fi is like any other great like there's great right. characters it's almost know. like you could argue that Cormac McCarthy for the road started with the premise of the father-son drama versus is the apocalyptic setting. It did. I can, I've can. i read an interview where I was just looking at my son sleeping. Aww, and yeah. there you have it, right? You're yeah. thinking about your kid. And he's got... The, the strength of the story then is not in the plot itself. Right. It's, in it's like the, the oasial thing. Yeah. Do I care? Yeah, about, what you uh, said about sadness being still. Yeah. That yeah. Is, I think that's really... Um, that's key because uh, it doesn't move anywhere. No, you, it doesn't you can't want to do anything. go anywhere with sadness. You have to do something else right. to get out of the sadness. And that's where the that's where a story would occur. It's yeah. like, what do you do in the face of sadness? Whereas in this story, we're just sad the most yeah, of we're the just time. Sad. Which is fine, I guess. Which is in the uh, that story referenced. I have no mouth, but I yeah. I must scream. It wasn't. It was a similar kind of uh, resignation. I don't know, kind of desperate. Not desperation because that has a little more movement, maybe. Uh-huh. But what is? Uh, it was futile. Despair, it like, felt, yeah. Kind of a despair, kind of a futility, maybe, or also maybe still kind of thing. And then they had to find an action to accomplish something. Right. The it was murder like they had was to the action. Right? Yeah, something to make it move from what was a cool concept to a story. Yeah, exactly. Where like her attempted action seems to be a, a revelation, little, I, a little bit of hope, a little yeah. bit of um, maybe I can make something of myself if I go to this place. But then that place just dies under her feet, so we just linger in that sadness longer. You know, it, it's kind of a maybe a tragedy in that way, um, where just a classical formulation: the hero attempts something and fails. Right. So to go back to what you're saying about sadness, I. I think that might be a really important thing to think about for as writers is what is the the emotion that we're accomplishing in the story and does it have movement is it going to draw our does it does it give energy or forward um momentum momentum profluence to what we're doing (laughs) your word my better word yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> this well, it reminds me too, John, of something that you talk about a lot when in our workshop, which is when a character, you know, we'll find ourselves struggling to articulate what it is that doesn't work about a certain piece, and then usually I've found that you'll say something like, "Well, the character in this piece is a victim; like they aren't making choices, they aren't taking action." Hey, that was just last week. Yeah, so that feels almost like a sort of a way to make it like a narrative device. To Rob's point, like if it is still, if you are stuck in this emotion, it's because you haven't let the character take an action. Because when we when you talk about, like I said earlier, there's like the stages of grief. They're stages because otherwise grief is just this prolonged place that you live. But the stages are you climbing out of it. And then the arc of the story is you coming out of it. Yeah, you can't like sad is like crying and crying and crying. Yeah, there's and then the story is when you stop crying and you get up and you go brush your teeth and or you cry harder. Yeah, you, you do something else after that. You can't cry forever. Imagine if you watched a film and someone was literally crying the entire time. There's that story that um, I don't know if I should name her on the podcast where she was grieving. The character in her story was grieving and her action was just so minor, but it was, it just opened up a kind of just this hopefulness that she was going to be okay. You know, I felt that was unfinished, but there was a movement to it already. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There was already something there where it, it already had those, that aspect of legs like it could get up and yeah go because the character took an action yes or because almost like the cat person you were so close third that even though there was inaction you were doing a lot of work being in the character's head through it like physically they're just sitting in bed so my takeaway, obviously, for this is that I'm really into this cli-fi genre. I think it's the next hot thing. I think it's going to take me to stardom and fame if I can <laughs> start and finish the story I have in mind by the time I have to submit it next Sunday. And who knows if I will. But I've realized, like I said, that a lot of what I'm thinking about on a daily basis and feeling the urge to write about has in some way related to the fact that I feel a bleakness about our current time and place, specifically as it relates to the natural world. Mm-hmm. And if I watch Cormac McCarthy right now, I won't stop crying. Mm. Like It's yeah. horrific. So this is a cool new genre if you haven't heard of it, and you should try it. What about you guys? Uh, I would take away just, I like when we get into stories that we don't, that we find problems with, because I think that's just as instructive finding ones we don't so yeah, yeah i would try to just zero in on character we've mm-hmm. had a couple of past episodes with awesome characters and these while flat if you just pump them up a little bit your story goes can go and go and go so yeah just characterization just who are they what do they want and then you're off this is like the difference between um we already named it what's her what's the story that you picked where she's talking the whole time about her lover goodbye and good luck yeah that is a story almost based entirely on the strength of that character oh yeah for sure it's all voice yeah i mean it's not easy. No, and, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we when we talked about it, that one, we were like, "Don't try this at home." Yeah, she's a whiz kid. Yeah, just hope you already have it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a fun takeaway. It's like, just be awesome. Come yeah. On. And if you aren't, uh-huh. don't do it at home. So what's your takeaway, John? The takeaway I was, I um, kind of wrote down and thought about talking about was just um, world building. Because one thing that happens in this story is it's not just the world is built up and we get a sense of it. It's the world builds, builds up and evolves. It changes. It does, it, yeah. It continues to be built throughout. And um, I think that's, you can spend a lot of time building a world. It just is like a static background for something. But if you can get that world 
able to breathe and, and move and change. It's going to give your piece a lot of um, room to also do those things, live and grow and breathe. And I want to add to that based on our conversation is how setting and um, the world you built, how it impacts the character. And, you know, we talked a lot about how important character is, like what right. Rob was talking about of just punching up the characters. So if you're going to build the world and like let it breathe and grow, have your characters grow with it and change with it. And she does do that in, to some respect in here. Um, obviously, we pointed out some of the shortcomings, but yeah, that would be my takeaway is just have your world grow and change and build along with your characters. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Good night.